0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome. To yet another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome, a podcast where I, your host, Shane Told, speaks to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And I am on the warp tour right now as we speak. I'm in the back of my bus doing this this intro. I'm kind of in a bathroom kind of thing. So if it sounds a little echoey, that's why. Let's be honest, it's warp tour, it's craziness outside. There's seven stages going right now. Uh, there's buses everywhere, people everywhere. It's, it's wild. I don't know how many of you guys have attended Warp Tour before. It is definitely an experience. And you know what blows my mind about Warp Tour is that they're able to do it every day. The show wraps up around nine o'clock, they're able to pack everything up, drive. In this case, we drove eight hours, actually, maybe nine hours from Salt Lake City to Denver, where we are today. And they were able to drive that, set everything up, and have the show ready to go in the morning for doors at 11 a.m. I don't know when these people sleep. It is incredible that they make this thing work. So I'm on the warp Tour, and there's so many great bands, one of which is called Trophy Eyes. Um, if you follow me on social media, if you're a part of the, the Facebook group for All Access Club, you'll definitely know... I have a huge thing for this band. Their record, Chemical Miracle, that came out last year, was my favorite record of the year. I think they're awesome. And I was really, really, really stoked to talk to their singer, John, um, about the record, about their band, about everything going on with them, and also, of course, about Warp Tour. Before we get into that, again, thank you very much, everybody, for being a part of this thing, being subscribed. Hopefully you're subscribed. Thanks for all the great feedback on my episode last week with Chadwick from 100th. Super compelling and super interesting episode. Um, I've I've been watching 100th play uh, over on the Monster Stage, and um, it is an experience too, man. They are such a different band now. Very cool to see them getting their new start. So go back and check that episode out if you haven't already. And yes, if you want to get in touch with me, it's very easy. You can email me. It's Syndrome at gmail.com. Be sure to add us on all the various social medias that exist out there, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And, of course, people ask me all the time, how can I help the show? There's two ways. If you buy anything on Amazon, use our affiliate link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. So if you buy anything off Amazon at all, it costs you absolutely nothing, and we get 4 to 6%. So, again, the link Real simple, dot com slash Amazon. And the other way you can help is if you want more content, if you want merchandise, if you want interaction with me, interaction with other fans of the show, if you want stuff mailed to you right to your house every three months. We have this option. And for as little as six dollars a month, you can join the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. And that's really what helps keep the lights on around here. So I won't go into all the details. I do it every week. I know people are probably hitting the 15 second skip forward button right now. But but please just all I ask is check out the link. It really does help out a lot if you join the club. It is LeadSinger Syndrome.com/slash all access. Anyways, hey, let's keep the intro short this week. Here's my talk with very talented and very interesting John of Trophy Eyes. To
1: ride die alone, but you the You me
0: To your mouth As you can when you talk Okay Just cause it, it Tendency is to like Some people talk And then they start to, And then like it, You know It goes to shit So if you don't mind You know like You know when you're Singing on stage You're a singer right Yep yep yep, yep. He's get a it. singer Yeah <laughs> So you know like like You know when you Sit stay, stay on stage And you put the microphone Right up to your mouth It's like It sounds good And then you take it away Yeah yeah, yeah. But do you ever see Those guys And I don't know, maybe you're One of these too Like when they like They're singing the part And they get to the big note And they like Pull the mic away Yeah <laughs> Do you ever right. see guys Do that
2: I see it, but I've never been conscious enough to do it. I'm always very just worried about getting the note right. So that's I, what I mean, though. But yeah. I,
0: I think that guys that do that, it's totally out of fear mm. that they're not going to hit the note. Oh, and yeah, that, I that, see that. that. that's why they pull away. I think that that's what that is. Yeah. I don't think it's like, uh, oh, I'm going to hit this note so loudly and perfect <laughs> that, like, if, if I actually hit it right on and, and I'm, like, right on the microphone, I'm going to blow everyone's mind. They're going to be like, this guy's such a good singer, man. Like... Holy shit, like, this is the second coming right here. Mm. So, I don't know. Yes. But, um, fuck, let's jump in. I'm with John from Trophy Eyes uh, on the Vans Warped Tour. Yes, sir. We're on their bandwagon right now, and we were talking about where we're going to do this thing, um, because we're in Phoenix, Arizona, and, like, what would you say it's like outside? Um,
2: I don't know. In Australia, it gets kind of that hot in summer, so... Come on
0: though. This yeah. is like, it's like forty well, okay, we'll go Celsius. There's a lot of American listeners, but we're Celsius yeah. people. So it's isn't it like forty five degrees out there though? Yeah. So that that is like this it's
2: a hot day. Oh yeah. But it's um I don't I don't think I'm suffering as much as uh, a lot of people are, especially from people like that live up north or Canadians yeah, or I especially mean, guys, the England boys.
0: You guys can hang. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean we've done we've done seven warp tours. Yep. Silverstein has. Oh, this shit. is your second, right? Yeah, this is our second. And one thing I was, like, blew, blew my mind when I was talking to your to your tour manager, Saul, great guy, by the way, is, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, let's just, like, do it, like, out back by your trailer. And you guys don't even have a setup. You,
2: do you don't even mean? have a hang
0: setup. No. No, we don't. I, I, yeah. It's I, like, we're... it's like I'm like, okay, it's their second warp Tour now. They should they should know about the hang.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we leave it to, I've walked past your, uh, trailer, and, uh. It's popping. It's it's really cool. As you got the, the lights
0: going and the ferns and stuff, and it's a really. Chill we do space. have ferns
2: this year. Yes, we yeah. have live
0: plants. They're not doing very well in the uh, Arizona heat. No,
2: I didn't think so. But, uh,
0: but no, we have we have that set up. We've got a fucking pelican brand cooler, so you nice. know we're uh, yeah. So we take the we take the hang seriously. Mm. But uh, yeah, it's a surprise. Good? Like you know, one thing when we were got asked to do this tour, I was like, okay, I'll do it. I guess for the seventh time, but. Mm-hmm. I need we need to have like oh, I need a barbecue, we need the hang zone, we need all this shit. Yeah. And and you guys seem to just be content with like I guess chilling in here most of the time.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure as things go on we'll get some more uh we'll get some more like uh um like uh fold out chairs and stuff like that. And uh maybe make a space but right now I don't know. There's so many other places to go and hang out. Like I just kinda sleep on here
0: and I spend most of my day outside anyway, so Oh yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. So, um you guys did the Warped Tour, was it last year? Or yeah. two years ago? Last no, 2015,
2: year? yeah.
0: Hmm. Oh, right, okay. And um, when you got asked to do it, was it like a no-brainer, we need to do this again? Or was it like, ah, I don't know if we can handle another summer? Oh, no, it was a no-brainer straight away. Yeah, yeah, cool. We,
2: man, we enjoyed the hell out of it. I mean, when you're on Warped Tour, I like to compare Warped Tour to a tattoo sometimes. Like, <laughs> you you When you're getting it, you are like oh fuck this hurts and like i I'm, I'm never going to do this again and then like a yeah. couple weeks later when you forget about the pain and all like the hard work and shit you go like
0: huh that was really fun like i'm going to get another one and i want to do that a million times you know so it's so true that's such a great analogy especially mm. cuz like at first the first couple of days of work which is where we're we are, we are now like we just played the fourth show you guys are playing your fourth tonight mm-hmm. and um, so we're still early on so like it's like you get the tattoo and it's like okay it doesn't hurt so bad yeah. and then it's like you know six hours later you're like fuck I wish like that's how Warped Tour is at yeah. the end you're gonna be like I just can't wait for this to be over exactly but then once you have the experience the tattoo whatever um, that you know Warped Tour then you're you're ready to do it again and yeah. that's what hap- was happened to us and now we're on our seventh time like they've convinced <laughs> us to do it we're covered yeah. in tattoos <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's uh, no that's a really really great analogy man um, I heard I heard you're a Dirty Nil fan Yes, massive and Nail fan. Fuck, we, they're like our buddies. And, and I, Did you see them like two years ago? Is that how you got into them? Yeah, I From watched them playing every single day. On your stage? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I became like, uh, I wouldn't say good friends, but I know the boys now, and, uh, and I have to go up and say hey and uh, and chat to them on Facebook a little bit. Like I yeah, them, yeah. I just yeah. Keep, uh, keep in touch. And uh, I saw them at uh, Unified in Australia when they came down with uh, the other Canadian bands, uh, that giant Canadian band with Down the Screen in it. Oh, well, on Fire? That's right. Yeah. yeah, I always forget their fucking name, but um, which I'm a massive fan of them as well. I don't know why I forget that name, but um, yeah, I saw them with them. They came to Australia. Big, big
0: fan of Dirty Now. Cool. Yeah. No, no, I just I just heard that somewhere, and I was like, oh shit. And yeah, and uh, they are one of my favorite bands too. And they're actually, it's kind of crazy because I feel like you guys and them had some similarities in that you're both from other countries. Like you guys being from Australia, obviously. Them be from Canada mm-hmm. They come They do this kind of Crazy tour On a smaller stage Not that many people know But meanwhile In their home country Like The Dirty just Won a Juno Which yep. is like Basically like a Canadian Grammy yep, yep And you guys back home In Australia Are doing some like Kind of crazy stuff too That I yeah. think a lot of Americans Aren't aware of Yeah That at home you have There's a little bit of Mainstream success There's some radio play Yep uh, All that stuff happening Which is like I think a lot of American people just coming over to, to your stage, checking you out. They don't really understand that, yeah, and how different there is when you have like a lot of success in one country and then another one, it drops off substantially. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it, like it's hard to start again because we did the same
2: the same mm-hmm. thing in uh, in Australia, the same playing to nobody and playing shows that nobody came to and playing in front of people that don't care or playing in front of the sound guy only. You know what I mean? Like we've already yep. done that in Australia. And uh, you know, just finally, we're starting to sell out these uh, these bigger tours and the bigger venues that we thought we'd never really play at home. And though that's like a, it's a it's a privilege, and it's not something that we we would expect. You know, like it's we're honoured to be doing that kind of stuff. It still is hard again to come to the states and have people like, you know, you, you're in that impress uh, that impress everybody stage again where you just desperately want people to. Come to your show and listen, and give you the time of day. You know what I mean. Right. And it's like a, it's hard. It's hard studying again. But like, I guess that's because we're spoiled. In the, we've had a bit of success in Australia, which is really nice. So, uh, you know, you I just guess you just got to do it if you want to keep touring and uh, want to totally. make a thing out of it.
0: Totally. But I mean, Australia is is a very difficult market. I mean, mm. I say market. I hate using the word market. It sounds like yeah. we're fucking selling insurance or something. <laughs> yeah. But but like. I mean it honestly And this is an honest podcast And like You're talking about Australia Which is basically Five major markets Maybe mm-hmm. four Depending on whether You want to count Adelaide Or yeah. count Perth and, and like They might go to a, As one yeah. Right It's very difficult To have You know A self-sustaining career uh, With Australia alone And there, don't get me wrong There's been, been bands That have done it yep. That have had basically No success outside Of Australia But if you want to do this I mean, you, what, you're going to play five shows a year or less? I That's mean, obviously, right. there's other B markets and stuff, but, like, you know, the goal, I would assume, for you guys would be, you know, trying to make some headway in the US, Europe, and other That's parts right. of the world so you guys can continue to, to do this band and, and, and have success. Mm. So, uh, when you guys were starting out, and I want to get into all that in your early life, too, but when you guys were starting out, how much of a focus was there on trying to get out and doing stuff, touring internationally, um, overseas, or how much was it just, it kind of just was the next step? Mm, I think that's a a bit of both. When we first started
2: playing Newcastle, it wasn't really in our minds to, to, which is a small, like, coastal city. I know it well. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, it's, it's, um... It was never in our interest to just play shows there. We didn't ever want to be a local band. It's not that we thought ourselves that or anybody like that, but we just thought like, you know, it would have been nice to, it would be nice to play other cities and see other shit. We wanted to travel with Trophy Eyes more than like, uh, you know, do it as a as a hobby. I guess if that makes any sense. But of course, uh, then uh, you know, kind of subconsciously, we were. Making these moves to go overseas and stuff like that, we never really like sat down and openly said like, "Let's go and play Warped Tour in America." We just said like, you know, uh, we just had these things thrown at us all the time. Like, we we never really asked to play a show. I don't think I don't still don't even know if we have. Like, we we were very lucky in that sense, where as in like uh, we played maybe five shows, and these bands much bigger than ourselves would come to Australia and say let's do this let's do this tour like neck deep right and we were like okay and then they said why don't you come to UK with us and we said oh shit okay and then it was all of a sudden it was warp tour come here and then let's do Europe with as it is and like yeah we just kept like getting thrown in these positions and not like we ever like said like all right let's go to europe this time we were just kind of like you want to go to europe and we said oh fuck yes <laughs> well it's cool
0: it's really cool for you know you guys saying like and i've heard read other interviews and stuff where you talk like well like what what is our band and you're like well we're like we're a punk band like that's yeah. what we're gonna say we're a punk band that's our ethics that's you know punk encompasses a lot of different styles of music mm-hmm. so we're just gonna call ourselves a punk band not a pop punk band or not a a uh, fucking post-hardcore band or whatever shit you can label it. Yeah. And um, I think that that's cool, but, you know, starting out your band that way, did you guys think, like, were you guys... Was the goal to have... Was the goal to have success? Was the goal to have radio play? Was the goal to have this stuff? Or were you guys just... It just kind of happened naturally? I'd say
2: it definitely happened naturally before we wanted that stuff. But you, I can... I can think I can say for everybody that once we kind of saw a little bit of that success, then we were like, then it started to come. Like, all right, well, let's get two songs on the radio, or let's get, uh, right. let's get this better spot, or let's you know play this venue that's bigger. And like, that's when that shit started. And, and like, you know, all, we very much had a punk mentality when we started playing. We would always play absolutely shit faced, didn't care what the <laughs> fuck we sounded like. Always, and like, I guess we still do that in some regard. But like. <laughs> I don't know. It was all about just like showing up and playing, and like we liked to. I I, I never even used to sing on the stage. We used to like stand in the crowd, and like we used to play floor shows, house shows. Right? That was our fucking jam. We loved that stuff, and that was like, I guess that was our biggest, uh, I guess, punk sensibilities. We would we would uh, very much uh, a punk band, even though if we didn't sound, um, you know, like no effects or anything like that.
0: Well, that's the thing. Like to compare it, punk like punk rock, and like I I don't call Silverstein a punk rock band because or a punk band because I'm just afraid of the backlash and Absolutely, afraid of people yeah. saying, what the fuck, you're not punk. Mm. But then people know where I came from and, and what I listened to and how I grew up and stuff. And, you know, the way we operate is pretty punk rock. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that that is the whole thing. Is punk, punk rock is not music. Punk rock is an attitude. I guess that's getting cliche to say, but it's true. Yeah it's definitely true so let me ask you about your early uh, upbringing because I know you're from Australia obviously Mm -hmm. Um, so how did you how was your family structure going up Uh, did you have like a classic nuclear family brothers and sisters Uh, was it a different situation and and how was music you know in your very early life Uh, I had I had both parents and uh, uh, an older
2: brother and a younger sister um the, my parents separated when I was, I think, uh, 11 or 12. And then I, I spent the most uh, the rest of that time uh, up until 17 when I moved out of home with just my mother. Um, but uh, I, I guess it was pretty normal. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what a normal family is really. Like, it's, it seems pretty abnormal to me now to have uh, families that have... Um, you know, both parents and everything's chill and everyone's rich. And You like, say
0: that's abnormal now. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like it is. But um, yeah. Well, that's that's my family. Like, I, my parents are still together after, mm. shit, 45 years? Yep. So, well, and you're right, it, is, them, it awesome. is not the norm yeah. anymore.
2: That's something I've des- desperately wanted all my life. I, like, my girlfriend's right. family so happy and they have so many brothers and sisters and they're very well off. And I look at that and like, I enjoy spending a lot more time there than I do it. At my own home, I guess, which is a horrible thing to say, but it just feels so nice that they're all such friends and uh, that they all get along so well. And uh, Me and my mom are very best friends. I could tell mom absolutely anything, which is a relationship a lot of guy, uh, guys don't have with their moms, I know, but uh, I got lucky in that sense. I do sense. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah mom's a really cool. Couple mama's boys over here. Yeah, absolutely, man. But um, <laughs> when I was growing up, the music was uh, when I was just a baby... Everything was Simon and Garfunkel and Queen and, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, uh, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, lots of, like, rock and roll and early, like, uh, psychedelic stuff and big, uh, like the Beach Boys as well. Like, yeah, yeah that was kind of what was being played throughout my, uh, out my house when I was a kid as a toddler. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, uh, so I always had that appreciation of, uh, I could like everything. I loved pop music when I was a, when I was a kid. And I loved uh, like old classic rock and uh, '80s pop and all that kind of stuff as well. When I was at school, and uh, I was lucky enough to uh, find Blink One Eight Two when I was uh, maybe like you know, I don't know if you got called junior high, but we just call mm-hmm. it high school. It's like we year seven. we call it junior high, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's just like year seven for us. But yeah, so I was about like thirteen, I think I found Blink One Eight Two, and then I just kept finding everything else. Like people, were, people that play breakdowns and scream and. Uh, you know a band of horses and then Billy Talent and then fucking like everything and then old punk and like I found all that stuff on my own accord but because I came from a a tiny town in the middle of nowhere where music didn't exist and like you had to about really find it no so I came from a smaller town about four hours inland from Sydney oh, okay. and about like five hours from a from a beach anyway it was just like like literally in the middle of nowhere and a very country so uh but it, it was hard to find music there Especially like it wasn't, wasn't so much internet In the so 90s So
0: what was it like Like your Kind of your junior high Your high school years I mean I mean, Sounds like you kind of Grew up in the middle of nowhere You were kind of Finding out about punk rock But I assume there really Wasn't punk rock shows Nope I'm sure you knew about them Like you saw photos Or videos from other shows And stuff And you were learning A little bit about it But what, what was it like Were you Were you like a good kid Good in school Were you getting into trouble um, uh, What was kind of Going on with that At that point in your life It was around about that time that I think, uh,
2: you know, I don't know what fucking happened. I was a straight A student. I was good. I behaved. I was well for... I I, I behaved for my mom and and dad, but I think uh, after puberty hit in and and, uh, kicked in and there was girls and there was... You could, like... It wasn't so hard to to get alcohol or cigarettes or... I remember I could go down to my local service station. There was a guy called Tim there. And I'd be (laughs) like, Tim, uh, can I get a packet of Winfield Blues, which is the like a popular Australian cigarette, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, "Oh, can I see your your ID, John, please?" And I'd be like, "I've shown you, man. Tim, you know me." And he goes, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." And he'd give me <laughs> a pack of cigarettes. Like I was like fucking fourteen, fifteen, right? And uh, you only have to be eighteen to smoke there, but like that's how easy it was. My brother's friends are older. I'd be like, "Hey, uh, what was his name? We, his nickname was Poyta. it Was our guy?" And be like, "Hey, can we get a couple of uh, bottles of alcohol for the for the weekend?" And then like started from there, and then pretty quickly. That escalated into pretty intense uh, drug abuse and uh, bad uh, bad involvement with bad, bad people. And uh, me and my friends ended up getting into a lot of really bad trouble that circulated a lot with uh, the law enforcement. And I had, by the time I was 16, I had a, a curfew, a police curfew of 9 p.m.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, so you uh, actually got in trouble with the authorities and, and... Quite a lot, yeah. What kind of, like, was it what kind of stuff were you doing Um, all my friends were drug dealers drug addicts
2: Uh, I mean they're not anymore I still talk to them they're all cool now like one of them just recently uh, got a really great job and he put on a lot of weight and has a girlfriend and his life's chill I mean we all came out of it well but they're all drug dealers a lot of violence a a lot of weird shit it's uh, strange to think I was just hey, like weed, was
0: just, weed shit. Well, weird shit. Sorry, <laughs> weird shit. I was like weed shit. I was like, it sounds a little more intense than weed. No, <laughs> it was much more intense than weed. There was a
2: there was a point where uh, that whole area is called the Central West, in in all the inner west of uh, Australia. That that part of New South Wales, and uh, the we were. We were just in a very bad circle in that certain area, and that's when kind of like uh, meth and ice and ecstasy was really huge and uh, accessible, and it was around. And yeah, there was a lot of police involvement. There was a lot of, a lot, of a lot of drugs, a lot of a lot of stupid shit that was really, really. Now that I look back and think of like how much of a, a baby I was, like a like a sixteen, seventeen year old kid, it's just so strange. So How old you now? Thing. I'm 26 now.
0: Okay, so, so I'm not that old. So it's a decade, a decade old now. This stuff. You still like? Do um, you have like you actually had problems with addiction and stuff like that? Was actually a yeah, a yeah, big no, thing for you so. at yeah. that point in your life. Yep.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe like 17, 16, 17. Uh, definitely, and then 18, 19, probably 20. There's Is it still something yes. you struggle with now? Uh. Yeah, not quite the same drugs but uh I definitely say I have a problem with drinking still. one One hundred percent. And uh I'm oh,
0: sorry, I fucking brought a beer over here. I'm no, I'm like chill. the only guy drinking in the interview. Like, <laughs> fucking Medella, I look around and there's only cans of water.
2: Well the like last like the first five days of, uh, of Warped a of warp to it, you could probably count the the hours on your hand that I was sober. You know, i like right. I guess I'm more of a binge person but I don't ever stop. I go for a few days and I can't really say no to anything, so I guess that's
0: still something that carries on from there. But, um, I don't know. I'm do doing I Like, do you, like how, how much, you know, you talk about music and you talk about, you know, substance abuse and partying and stuff. Like, that is a common theme on my show. I mean, that's it's something that we talk about. Like, you know, um, and a lot of times, I think of a few podcasts I've done, it really was music that helps people get out of the funk that they see other friends go through that maybe aren't as involved in music or they that don't really have anything else And I know you said your friends are doing well now which is great to hear but um how much of that you know getting into punk rock and music and all that stuff and, and I guess you're probably forming bands at this point which I want to talk about mm-hmm. um how much of that helped with that you know just just the dealing with with substance abuse because I'm sure if it went the other way maybe you, you wouldn't be here right now you'd be like pardon the expression dead in a ditch somewhere yeah
2: well it's possible especially with the people that I was involved with I guess but I think that uh, you know with with music I don't even know a lot of people say music saved my life man and I, I think music segregated me even more because the shit that hmm. I started to listen to and then I, the way I started to dress because those people dressed like that and I was as a kid I didn't have any fucking like I, I couldn't think for myself whatsoever like I wasn't a strong willed kid and uh Listening to Blink One Eight Two, then I started wearing the shorts and the socks and the, having my hair like that, and I got my lip pierced. And I'm in a small town, so everyone's like, "Are they your sister's jeans? You faggot and shit like that." Uh-huh. You know, and people are like say that to you, and they fuck with you, man. Like, so in a sense, I was even more segregated by the choice of music that I listened to, and, and like, you know, the, the things that I believed. Like back then, when you're a kid, like if a guy was to paint his nails, not that, not that I did, I've never chosen to paint my nails or wear makeup or anything like that, but like who gives a fuck if I did you know what I mean like mm-hmm. the, in a small town like that like you just you would just don't do that like you know <laughs> it, it's a it's a right I, I understand and like I don't know I went back not that long ago and I was in a bar with the same fucking bar sitting there drinking it looked like they hadn't even moved for five years you know what I mean and I was like yeah. so what's the news they said well some Indian bought the the service station down the road and it's like Fuck, that's news for you. Like, is that still blowing your mind that people exist that don't have the same colored skin as you? Like, it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty terrible place to grow up. Very backward and very yeah. Bad. That's
0: that's crazy. I you know I think generally speaking, most people outside of Australia think of Australia as a very forward-thinking country. Well, if but you live there in is the city, yeah. it. To be fucking frank, it's pretty racist. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It depends where you live. If you live in like Sydney City, then that's like that's a melting point, a melting pot of people. So many cultures coexist. Yeah, so many happy people, different ethnic uh, cultures, whatever, and uh, everyone gets along pretty well. I mean, there like there's cases in which they don't, but it's that happens everywhere in the world, you know. But uh, I think uh, I imagine it quite like uh, Toronto. Toronto's the same
0: way. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toronto and Sydney are, are similar in a lot of ways. They're yeah. they're probably about the same size, even. Yep. You know, largest city in a small country. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, definitely. Toronto is, like, very diverse. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, we don't have, I don't think we have a lot of problems with racism, but we do in Canada still. In, yeah. In small towns, probably the same as Australia.
2: Yeah, that's right. So I guess, like, uh, yeah, to answer that question, I, I think music didn't really help me at all.
0: Yeah. And, uh, well, it's crazy. But when did you start playing guitar? I know you play guitar, and, um, yeah, singing obviously. When did that? How did that come into your life? Um, at what point?
2: I started playing music at school. Started playing guitar. I think the first song I properly learned was uh, "Under the Bridge" by uh, Red Hot uh, Chili, Chili Peppers? Peppers.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty hard song, actually. Well, my brother's very good at guitar,
2: and I think I picked it up quite naturally. Oh yeah. Um, all the other kids were playing like, what's that Peter Gunn theme, dun 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 yeah, dun. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. shit, and I was like, fuck no, like I, I don't want to sit here like. And do that shit so I just like learned something hard and then uh, I don't know then I could kind of play guitar after that and um, I could play drums in school not very well but enough to keep time and uh, be creative with it And mm-hmm. but because nobody there liked the kind of music I listened to or, or at least very few there was never a, a case in which I could start a band or really write music that I wanted to write with anybody and I was happy to write anything you know, like any music at all. I want to be in a band with anybody, but I don't know. No, it wasn't quite the environment all the time uh, to to start a band, I don't think. And I was pretty, like, preoccupied with other shit. I mean, like a 16 year old guy, like, there was girls and there was drugs and there was parties and stuff. So I was, like, you know, that was right. kind of on the backbone. I was least in my concerns at that time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that's crazy. But I mean, obviously. It ended up being something that became serious. Well, not so until... So when, when did music become start becoming, like, sort of serious? I mean, you still say, like, when you're... Even when Trophy Eyes started, and I'm not sure how many years ago you guys started, but you were still, like, being punks, fuck, getting fucked up, playing. Yeah. And that was, you know, just how it is. But, but, like, when did it... Like, when did you decide, hey, I'm maybe, like, pretty good at this, and I should, like, kind of take it a little bit seriously? Because there's, like no one's just like a total mess and not focusing on it like every band has to get people that are dedicated and can practice and can play shows and somebody has to like get fucking merch made that's right and like there's all those little things that you have to sort of take seriously well I guess it's uh I turned
2: 17 and left that town I just fucking moved out I was supposed to go to university but still had too much of a. so I don't know well, you are supposed
0: t- to go to school in Newcastle
2: uh no in uh in another like smaller city like that close by. But oh, okay. I never I, I, I jumped out like in my first semester. I, I couldn't really do it. I just mm-hmm. wasn't prepared, wasn't old enough in the brain I guess, and still too focused on partying and stuff like that, so uh I moved to Sydney after that, lived there for a little while. That was at my worst. And I think that's when uh I was I was saved by i well, I'm not saved, but my uncle picked me up and kinda rehabilitated me and told me what was wrong with me, and that, like, uh, I had some serious addiction problems, and I had to fully start my life again, and, like, I had this, like, thing at the end of my bed, this piece of paper on my wall to save uh to mark my goals down, and they were as small as getting up in the morning and making my bed, and if I could do that, then I could write that down on my thing, and, like, you know, uh, closing the microwave door when I'm finished that, and then I would write that <laughs> down as a, as a yes you did it like congratulations right. and I had to fucking start from there because I was so fucked that was like I couldn't remember to do that you know one of the just cognitive things I really damaged my kidneys and and stuff like that in my brain so not permanent brain damage but uh, it took me a long time to kind of come out of that shit but anyway after that I kind of got good enough I got a job I, I got my, my head around things I, I started university again in a Newcastle and uh kind of just moved straight there. And uh that's how I met the guys. They were looking for a singer, so I went out there. I still was partying quite a bit. I didn't really stop, but at least I, I learned how to handle it and look after myself. But um I went to Newcastle, found the boys, went out to their went out to Callum's house, our drummer, and uh, he said uh you know, let's let's do some practice. So we sang some uh Newfound Glory songs. Okay. And uh
0: I know it's hard for you. Yep, <laughs> that kind of shit. <laughs> and then,
2: uh, um, that was just saying. Like, they pretty much said, uh, "All right, so next week, well, let's write some songs." And I was like, "Huh, like fuck, I made it in." <laughs> right on the inside of my body, I was like, "Yes, you know, i made a band." But then, like on the outside, I was like, "Cool, man, <laughs> that's cool. I'll come back next week." So, uh, is that like your first band, basically? Uh,
0: that was it. That was first,
2: yeah. first everything, first and last. Yeah, first and last. I know
0: you got another thing going on too, but um. That's, that's a cool story. I mean, I mean, like, at the same time, though, and again, I don't want to fucking harp on this, like, addiction thing, but I mean, you've talked about it pretty openly. Um, obviously, though, like, you have the other members of your band that you're close with that are your friends and your partners and everything else. Um, how much of it is, like, of your, sob- not sobriety, but you're doing okay uh, has to do with just this, this machine that is trophy eyes and the success you guys are having and other guys in the band you don't want to let them down is that is that help you or or is it mostly just going back to when you were living with your uncle's house and crossing off things that i can do this like how much of it stems from that or and obviously you know they say addicts are always addicts right and and yeah. they struggle with it and some people struggle with it every day so i'm kind of just wondering about that for you at this point how much of it you know where where the line is drawn for you and you know in your head um
2: I mean I a it's a good question. I still haven't like beat beat it yet. I still wouldn't say I'm like a I, I'm a recovered anything. I don't think I'm recovered at all. And like, just looking at my TM's face right now is like
0: fucking laughing at me, like yeah. But um
2: I don't know, Well you're helps. fucking
0: able to have a sober conversation with me right now. Yeah. That's hot to yeah. me. Yeah. And like you're gonna go play a show tonight and you're gonna do fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean like I don't know. Like I mean, nobody's perfect, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's good to
2: like. I'm not that. I'm not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just always been like a, a problem with saying no. And I'm not like yeah. totally fucked right now. I haven't pissed my pants right now. So yeah, like, I'm a I'm doing alright. down there, <laughs> there's a spot, but it's just a spot. Um, no, but like, uh, Trophy Ice has, definitely. I mean. It's 50-50. It, enab- it enables me in a way because there's a, bunch- there's a fridge full of free beer right there that I don't have to pay for. And there's probably someone outside being like, hey, man, you want to smoke this? And I'll be like, yeah. But I don't smoke weed anymore. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. That it's, it, it half enables you. And uh, and then also, that I don't. I really don't want to let these guys down on stage or in any, sure, exactly. in any way, shape, or form. Because they all show up and they all play and do the same thing as me. So why can't I right, just get it right but i think the thing that's uh i don't know i would give my uh the the success in being uh, like stronger willed and uh now to my girlfriend i met her in california and
0: i really liked her immediately as soon as i saw her and uh, california girls man yeah well she's actually from texas there might be a that beach boy song yeah uh you know brainwashed in your head from when your mom <laughs> yeah. was playing it for you <gasps> Might you're be. like I gotta find a California girl well she was there from Texas actually she's a Texan girl oh okay okay
2: but um yeah dude I, I don't know eventually she said like you know if you can stop like
0: being you pretty much <laughs> you can stop just like just change everything about yourself and yeah. I'll be with you perfect
2: <laughs> look at the same but do everything differently well that's that's kind of what she said no no more like fighting or drugs or drinking or normal girls just be a normal fucking human being and then we'll talk about it so I did for a while and uh we started going out and now like you know i still uh have the occasional uh slip up here and there with like drugs or alcohol but um that's about it everything else i'm i'm like i'm just like a normal guy now i feel like i feel old and i let my hair grow out i used to have this buzz cut and i used to feel fucking like I don't know that suited like me Phil at Anselmo the time, or something. Yeah, not like I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, I just feel like uh, peaceful now. I feel like an old
0: dude at twenty six. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's chill. well. It sounds like you've lived a lot of life, man. Like to be honest, <laughs> yeah. fuck, like you've had some crazy, you've seen some shit, right? So, so I guess a little bit. No, there's people that have seen worse shit than me, man. I'm, I still think I have a very fortunate life. So she's American. Um, obviously, you're Australian. I actually was seeing an Australian girl for a while and. Yeah, we kind of came to the realization well, this is going to be very difficult. So, and are you is. are you uh are you living stateside or spending a lot of time here now or Yeah, I like cuz uh, we come over here on a P1 visa that lasts a
2: year at, at a time. We have is, a P2 visa. Okay, chill.
0: That's for Canadians only. Okay, but I think it's Australian thing. only yeah, for P1. For a, yeah, for a year, yeah.
2: But um so I whenever I'm not uh touring, uh, I come straight back to Texas and I just try and stay with Bianco as much as I can perfect and uh it's it's been working i mean I, this is the last the 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 last week or so that i spent in texas is the last time i'll be in texas for another six months now so we're gonna go home tour ride a little bit got a bunch of uh, festivals to play and then we'll be back in uh, in december uh but yeah I, I probably won't see her for a for a little while after that. Should be on some more updates, but it'll be it'll be a little while now.
0: Yeah, is it is it hard, um it must be hard juggling that though. I mean, even though, you know, just with your band being from Australia, you guys have to go, you have to do writing, rehearsing, yep. Recording. I'm sure you do that all in Australia. Mm. There's probably uh, like grant money maybe from the government. I don't know if that's an Australian thing, it's a Canadian thing. Yep, it is. Yeah, so all that has to be a thing. So is that must be very difficult to juggle. Yeah. There must be some some moments where you're like Fuck! I just want to like see her or whatever because you know being a guy that's basically been in relationships my whole adult life, I can totally relate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh...
2: shit. The first, the when we first met each other, we spent some time with each other, and then we decided, okay, we'll 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 make a thing of it. And then I spent a good six months away from her after that. Yeah, which was uh, which was pretty intense. But I spent Christmas and Thanksgiving with her. Then I came home and did another like however many months then she came over to Australia for eight months then I went back there so it's 50-50 and mm-hmm. I do like desperately miss her but uh, it's okay I mean we're making it work and it's it's alright I think this next like uh, we're now talking about okay now where are we gonna live and let's uh, let's do the next thing it's been it's been a couple of years so everyone's sorry. moving to
0: Nashville just saying everyone's moved to Nashville where are you from Saul Arkansas don't move there <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I like Texas I've been living in a small yeah. town called Bellison. she doesn't want to live there anymore because she kind of like spent a lot of her time there and it is a tiny shitty small where town is where it, nothing what, happens is
0: it close to what major city Dallas close or Fort Dallas. Worth closer yeah. to yeah. Fort Worth cool
2: but um it is this tiny little shitty city where nothing happens nothing goes down not, like it's it,
0: it's boring as hell out this. What are some of the things about America that, like, when you first started coming over here, you were like, that's so weird? Like, as an Australian, there must have been some things. That I can buy
2: guns in the same place I can buy a pack of Skittles. That was pretty <laughs> fucking weird to see.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, um, I mean, in the-
0: Canada, we can't even buy beer or wine in the same place. We can buy a pack of Skittles.
2: Yeah, right. You know? Well, we can, we can do that. Um, I don't know. What else was weird? Not, nothing too much really there's so a lot of homeless yeah, there's a hell of a lot of homeless I know it's because due to the population and like you're much uh, America's much bigger than uh, than Australia uh, but um, there's a lot of homeless a lot of people with injuries as well because you don't have free healthcare I oh, mean yeah. America doesn't have free healthcare so there's yeah. like you see people that will like I don't know do something fucked up to their knee and they can't afford to see the doctor so they let it set wrong and they just have a, a limp for the rest of their life and that's just it. And you, that's so common here. And it's like at home, if you hurt your knee, you go, oh, I better go to the doctor because it's right? fucking free. Or you well, go and get your fucking knee fixed up. It's just common sense. Like,
0: I, I can't believe it doesn't happen here. I was like fairly old when I found out that America didn't have free health care. Like I, like I want to say I was like in my 20s when like something came up about something and they were in this accident. And it's like, yeah. So what? They went to the hospital? Yeah. Well, there's hospital bills. Well, why are there hospital bills? Like I didn't even understand. I couldn't <laughs> wrap my head around that, and I still like it blows my mind. Not only that that uh, this is still a thing, and they haven't figured it out yet, but but just that so many people are against it. Yeah, I'm like, what? Are you, why are you against it? We, every other country in the world has this. Yeah. you're the only. You're the last one left. Yeah. Why, what are you even fighting against? And and I, and I don't know what it is. I think a few people I've talked to about it has said almost the almost mentioned homeless people and saying, well, those people shouldn't have the same rights that I have because they don't work. And then and I say, fuck that. They have a- should absolutely have the same rights as you. Everybody should have the same rights. Mm. You know what I mean? And why did they why are they there on the street? Mm. Probably because you don't have free health care mm-hmm. because maybe they went. Maybe they had an accident. Maybe they lost all their money in an accident. Maybe they had. Something, something wrong, um, psychologically, and they couldn't go get help because it, they couldn't afford it. Yeah. Whereas, like, if I have a problem, like, if you know, if I need medication for something wrong, like, you know, psychologically, I can go to the doctor for free. Yeah. I can get medicine that will help me, like, live and and in America, that's just not the case. Yeah. It's not and so many problems stem from this.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a strange
2: thing to see. Uh, yeah, it's it very different from home and uh i don't this is i can't think of anything else that's too weird um i mean LA looks like the movies that was pretty cool we got there mm-hmm. and I was like wow fuck like this is it actually looks exactly
0: like it does like in the movies it's cool if you're in tech you've been there before feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit and those types of mistakes aren't cheap instead Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash L-S-S to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit, and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with... With Raycon's, whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get fifteen percent off your order at buyraycon.com/slash. L-S-S. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com slash L S S for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buy Raycon dot com slash L S S. It's funny. Is- I was talking to Kate uh, from production. I don't know if you met her. She's great. But, you know, she, she, um, we were, we were talking about, I'm from Canada. She's from America. And I always thought some of the stuff in the movies, like the American movies, was just like not real. Hmm. Like, um, Like the cheerleaders at the football game, at the high school football game, there's like 50,000 people. I was like, that's not like actual, really. That's like exaggerated or something. Yeah, And then like in Texas, that's straight up what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that blow your mind that a bunch of grown ass people in this small town are literally like... Hey, like they're sitting at their like local bar and they're like, "Hey man, you gotta see this 16 year old kid throw a football. <laughs> yeah. hey, he's gonna, we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go to state next year." Yeah, it's like they actually want to see a 17 year old kid how far he can throw a football. People care about this. Yes. many many people mm-hmm. care about this. And yeah. I honestly remember that movie Varsity Blues. I don't know if you ever saw it with uh, Dawson Dawson's Creek James Vanderbeek. I saw that movie. I was like, "What?" Like, and the chicks are throwing themselves at. I'm like, "There's no way this is like real life." and it's actually like that yeah <laughs> fucking incredible
2: the neighborhood I live in is like it looks like uh, something out of Dazed and Confused it's just like yeah green there's trucks everywhere it's fucking people play football like ba- Like I go and see uh, uh, my girlfriend's little brother Charlie play baseball and uh, he's eight and it's still fucking packed like the, the, the baseball is packed it's like yeah everybody wants to see the sports they love mm. sports yeah. but I think it's awesome like I think the that's another thing different, like the sports culture. Australia has a very serious sports culture. Um, everybody's very fit. Everybody's lean. Everybody's healthy. Uh, my mum always says, uh, "I can't believe they they care more about sport than literature in in schools in Australia." But mm-hmm. they most definitely do. They one hundred percent do, and that's strange to see. But I think yeah, that's like you know yeah, America
0: expresses it in a different way, but it's very well. Health sports is phase. important, you know. So yeah. I, I'm on board for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. No, I, I went to uh, – so I went to high school. I actually played basketball in high school. And, yeah, our games weren't very well attended. Yeah. But my um, my ex-girlfriend's little brother was playing at my old high school. So I was like, oh, fuck, I'll go, like, see him play basketball. Walk in the gym. I, I can't even believe this. I walked in the gym. There was zero people watching the high school basketball game. Not yeah. one. We, we walked in the gym. Open the door. Everyone just like turned and looked. Like we have two spectators now. <laughs> That's how small high school, f- like sports are, yeah. in Canada. There was yeah. literally zero people. No, not even parents, brothers and sisters, friends. Like no one cares. Yep yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you talk about the, the you know these other sports and it's it's crazy. Do you have you know, like Aussie Rules is big in in Australia. Like, I went to an Aussie Rules game actually mm-hmm. in Melbourne. It was sick. I think a that's a, that's a mostly Melbourne
2: and uh, Western Australia kind of everything else except for New South Wales and Queensland. But, in high, two, school, like, but in high
0: school, but um, in high school sports, do you have like is that like a thing? Do you have a similar thing to football where like the whole school comes and watches? Yeah. Or not? There's a
2: maybe not the whole school. We have like a national rugby league, which is kind of like a kind of like uh, what you guys call rugby. It's like union. We call it mm-hmm. rugby union. But it's it's a different sport. Kinda of easier, less pretty than Union, but it's kind of a I don't know. It's it's just called National Rugby League. And that's kind of the, the New South Wales and Queensland sport. That's like Yeah. Yeah. But there's so there's two different footballs in uh in Australia. Right. Um I mean there's a big soccer following. It's still growing bigger. I still think the biggest sport there is uh Australian uh football league, the AFL. But yeah. Oh, no, There's not like there's still not that much attendees attendees at like uh
0: like I just mean more for youth, like for youth, like for kids. Like yeah, does yeah, anyone not, care? No one really cares. That parents me, and siblings like that's about it. Yeah, that to me blew my mind when when I first, you know, came to America how how that was real. I was like there's no way that's real. It's yeah. real. So yeah. there you go. It happens. Uh so this is the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast and we do talk about singing sometimes. Okay. <laughs> we don't so, do that much. Yeah, maybe we'll get there like 40 okay. minutes in, but uh sure yeah so talk to me a little bit about that How, how's your voice hold up on tour tour Tour's obviously a difficult beast but yeah. hey if you're fucked up for the first five days you must not have too many problems with your voice no
2: normally I don't I, like my voice is always fine um we uh, except for yesterday, which is like fucking terrible. I don't know what happens. I went out and just like screeched to this really weird high pitch screech,
0: like your first note of the set. <laughs> yeah, and then missed like <laughs> missed like
2: three sentences, like three lines. I just kind of sat back and went like, "What's happening? Like, is this a, is this a nightmare? Is this is this like a bad it's dream?" Okay, you got twenty nine and a half
0: more minutes to win yeah. them over. Yeah,
2: well, uh <laughs> it was bad one, but it's cool. Last warp two, I didn't have a problem at all. Normally, my voice doesn't skip a beat. Uh, the last year it did because I got quite sick, but... My voice is fine. I mean, I, I've always had this kind of, like, weird thing with my voice. That the more I bash it, the stronger it gets and the easier it is to, to sing. I smoke God. and drink and <laughs> fucking... Living it's fine. the fucking dream over <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed, but... um, I don't know. You know, what, you know what fucked it up? The first time in my life I tried to vaporize it, where you put your face in the thing and you, you get Vicks, and it puts Vicks into your throat makes you all moist and right. cleans yeah, your nose yeah, yeah. out and stuff. I did the right thing for once in my life yesterday and then fucking totally destroyed the set. I couldn't sing. I went out and made some weird bird noise. Yeah. That's what happened.
0: I remember we were on tour with we were talking about Alex on Fire earlier before and yeah. uh, was on tour and I, I was talking to Dallas about fuck this is years ago. It was like 13 years ago but I was talking to Dallas about oh what do you warm up? What do you do? And he goes no nope, I don't warm up at all. I go not at all? He goes nope not at all. I go um Really? That's like, that's like kind of crazy, you know? Like, you're obviously a great singer. He goes, I warmed up once, completely lost my voice, had the worst show ever, decided yeah. not going to warm up anymore. That's it. Obviously, that's a long time ago. But, hey, I mean, the thing is, is to each, is to each their own. Yeah. And on this show, like, I talked to somebody like Vic from Pierce the Veil. That mm-hmm. dude warms up for like an hour. Yeah. You know? And then there's other guys. I don't do much warming up either. But the no? other guys, like, they really... Dude, do you do a lot of warm-ups, or? I do the the weird, like, uh, tonal
2: ones, like the raspberries, brrr, like that stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. then, like, a, a scale, I go up and down, and if I can be asked, I'll do it again, and then I'll, I'll go sing. But, like, a lot of the time, I'll just be drinking, and they'll be like, all right, time to go, and I'll be like, oh, and then I, like, stand on the side of the stage, and everyone's sitting up going, Brr, <laughs> as much as I can, because <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, what am I doing <laughs> on this again? <laughs> and then I just jump on and sing, and it just comes flying out. You know, it's it's all right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny. Uh, I'm I'm that way too, and a little bit like I'll just be like, oh shit, what time is it? Well, I guess I'm going on in these clothes, and yeah, I'm doing you know I'm doing the set like this. Whereas other guys are very gotta get in my mode, gotta get my clothes on, gotta get my yep. you know. So yep. you're a little bit more of a chilled out dude in that, yep, in that respect just walk on you know, I actually
2: I interviewed uh, Jason Butler once I asked him the same question because uh, Jason from Let Live yeah and like I don't really know the band that well uh, at all even like uh, I don't know any of their songs really I don't I don't listen to them uh, as a fan well they're awesome I know so. I know they are yeah like I, uh, you know uh, the millions of people can't be wrong they have a giant fan base and really
0: dedicated fan base but um millions of people can definitely be wrong I guess so, I'm yeah, sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to stop you right there uh, there can, are can, can. bands like Nickelback that are selling oh, yeah. out arenas anyways go on maybe stadiums go on yeah. <laughs> well uh okay so I interviewed him
2: because I'm such a fan of his uh, live presence his stage performance yeah. like uh he's a really interesting guy and a fantastic frontman. probably one of the best in this scene um I mean, not probably, like, definitely one of the best in this scene. He's a great front man. And uh, I asked him, like, how do you warm up? And he said, my way is just, like, trying to forget that I'm going to play a show. Like, just put it out of my head. And when I walk out there, the shock hits me that, <laughs> fuck, I'm here. And I've just got to go, blah. Amazing. Just, like, that's how he said he does it. And I was like, that's incredible. That's really smart. Like, that's... Because of that randomness. I, I like kind of believe it, though. Well, when like, you watch I him, think I think him, it's that's like... true. Yeah. yeah. When you watch him, you, you think, like, nobody... You can't rehearse this. <laughs> like, where are you going to rehearse the backflip and then ride the security guard around on his no. back and, like, well, punch he, stuff in the face? Like,
0: He's been on the show before. Right, Anybody right. interested can go back and listen to our previous episodes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I asked him some questions about that. Like, hey, when you get into a venue, are you, like, scoping it out? Like, looking, hey, can I hang off this? Can I yeah, jump yeah, yeah. off this? And he said, like, no, I don't. You know, it's all very natural. And I think that that's part of what makes it so compelling. Exactly. You're watching a man literally, uh, like, make it up as he goes. Total, like... So that's kind of what you're trying to do a little bit now, like sort of channel that no, in some ways. Man.
2: Oh God, no! I sit there and stress, <laughs> and then I drink because I'm so fucking stressed. And then I get out there and I go, "Oh fuck, I'm here. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry. You're about to, this is about to happen to you. Yeah, I need to pee. I always, I have like a uh, a stage pee, <laughs> uh, like two minutes, two minutes before I go to play. It happens, and I say, "Excuse me, everybody," and I run away. And then, I oh, normally I'm back on time. No one's ever waiting for me to play. I'm, I make sure of that. I couldn't okay. have it. Yeah. No. No. Axl
0: Rose. Uh, no. Axl Rose in it. No. 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 <laughs> uh, well, thanks, man. Hey. Um, yeah. So I, I just before I let you go, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I want to talk about your record real quick, and I guess you must have another one in the works, or you're starting to work on it. But that record was—it's really something special, and and. I went on the record saying, like, it's my favorite record of the last year. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like it. And maybe you just, just – I don't I don't really have a question. I just kind of want to know what was going through your head when you were – guys were writing it, when you were working on – I assume you write a lot of lyrics and melodies. Like, what was kind of going through your head about, hey, w- like, what is this record going to be? And was there a time when you were either rec- writing it, recording it, or after it was finished when you were, like – we might have made something pretty special here.
2: Uh, it's hard to say. There was still pressure. It was it was much more relaxed than any other record we've ever done. We've always done every record under a very strict timeline and we've pushed it and we've left it to the last thing, the last minute, every time. This time it was more... Uh, we weren't afraid of... I look at a lot of bands now and they're afraid of their fans. They're afraid, like, if they bring out a record that doesn't sound exactly like the last one they wrote and also nothing like the last one they wrote, then no one's going to like them. Mm-hmm. These kids give bands a fucking impossible task of, like, write the exact thing I want to hear from you or I'm going to boycott you and start telling you your shit. And then everybody's going to tell you your shit. We're never going to come to your shows again and that's the last album you're going to write. That happened to uh, Four Year Strong, one of the fucking best best bands in the scene and they wrote that rock album and everyone gave them fucking hell and it was an excellent record because they didn't play breakdowns and everyone was like oh you sellouts or like you fucked up and it's like I don't know that that is terrifying when you're writing a record you've got like people go "Oh, it must be nice to have no boss it's like not really I have tens of thousands of bosses and they all decide whether (laughs) or not I fucking I make any money whatsoever you know what I mean like yeah that's how it works so when you're writing a record, yes, yeah, stress gets you, man, and it fucking kills you.
0: Well, especially but, the second record. Like everyone knows, the, you know, the sophomore record is the one that's going to make or break you. Apparently, so yeah. there's a lot of pressure there. It just, it's just the way it is. No hmm. band has ever put out a bad second record and recovered. It's never happened. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it was, uh, it was
2: nerve wracking, but to see, to be honest, we've always, we've never tried to be a Pop punk band, or a, or a hardcore band, or a rock band. We've always been more focused on trying to get the things we like into something that makes sense that we can portray. At the time when we wrote uh, "Men Move On," I think we mixed mm. them poorly, and it came out as definitely a mashup of alternative music and whatever. But it was it, it wasn't done right, or not to the capacity that we wanted it to be. And with uh, with uh, Chemical Miracle we took our time we sat back and we said let's just fucking write some music fuck songs fuck genres fuck any of this like we're gonna hate you if this if this record sucks we just said let's just write some songs we wanna like, like let's take that pressure off and have fun for once like you know let's slow down and we did you know we, we took two years practically two years off writing we just toured and we stopped touring we said alright let's write some songs so you know at home I was writing songs into my phone into garage bands with the the little microphone on the um on my earphones that's how I was recording I was taping that to my guitar and playing the songs onto that that's how I wrote like um um Chlorine I think I was like actually the first song for that new record even maybe I can't remember and that was how I wrote Heaven Sent same way doom doom do do do, do. I'll do that, got that riff and I was like huh that would go good with this dun 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 so I put them over each other made a thing and like I don't know those songs just came out naturally the the lyrics were more about less about what used to happen to me and more about like this where I am at 25 and what I want to do and where my friends are and mm-hmm. how I think of myself and how I what's, in, what are the questions in my brain now instead of like when I was a kid, like, when am I, you know, like, I'm enjoying partying, which is kind of like men move on, and like, I hate myself for partying, and all that kind of shit, now it was like, you know, I'm a bit older, and uh, things have slowed down, and it's like, things cross your mind, like, what is life, what is death, where do I belong, how do I get here, what am I supposed to be doing, like, and like, you know, how important is my family and my friends, and and what do I mean to them and what do they mean to me and what is that comparison and things like that and that was all about that record like a, just a, just right. an honest recount of being 25 if, if I could like a that was it and uh, we were writing and we actually fell behind we didn't get all the content together we wanted and I started to like fucking lose my mind I was writing traveling to practice in Newcastle living in Sydney so traveling two yeah. hours on a train after work practicing for three hours four hours sometimes five hours then taking a train back to work uh, and then working the next morning sleeping like two hours going to work the next morning yeah. working the whole day because I had to pay my rent paying ridiculous rent in Sydney sure and it was going nuts man it was going f- uh, and like I thought I can't I'm losing my mind there's no way I'm going to get the songs together for this record now this is towards the end and the boys were writing their own songs as well and it was like everything was coming together but it wasn't quite right yet uh you know, I was neglecting my girlfriends, like, coming home from work and just like... I think like, I was a little bit depressed even, just sitting there just being like, huh, like, watching TV and being like... You, you know, I, was a, I just wasn't there. I was totally vacant. All I could think about is music, constantly a song in my head. Yeah. Even in the shower, I was singing a song that I wrote and it was just driving me nuts. But, uh, I mean, we got what we could together. We went to Thailand. We put it all out on the, on the table with Shane.
0: You went to Thailand?
2: Yeah, with Shane Edwards in Karma Studios. That's what we always where go. That's you made the record. Yeah,
0: in Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. You gotta
2: go, dude. It's so good. This is Shane Edwards is our boy as well. He's like, he's the best. He's the best dude. And when we put all the the songs out on, on the table, and he said like, "All right, this one stays. This one sucks. This one's good. This one's shit." So he had a pretty one. big
0: role in in you know in the creative
2: process. Yeah, well, like we used to butt heads with him all the time because he he he's got a great musical ear and he knows what sounds good and what will do well. And he practically handmade the Australian music scene. Like, the music heavy scene, anyway. That was him. He started all of those bands, like North Lane and uh, In Hearts Wake and... Right. All that shit, he recorded all that. All these records are made in Thailand? No, they used to be made in Blacktown, but he Sydney, moved, by him.
0: But he moved to Thailand. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So we
2: followed him. We're like, here's the guy. Sure. Know? Anyway, uh, went back with him, and we said, we wanted like, to sound like this, like... I don't know what this sound is, but whatever the fuck it is, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah." He's like, "This is kind of like a classic record. It's familiar, but I've never heard it before." And he's like, "That's that's kind of the vibe I'm getting." And we were like, "Well, let's make that happen." He did. So he, then, you could tell he knew something that it was a special record. Then, yeah, he could see something we couldn't yet. Right. I think we were all still having our doubts even by this point.
0: Well, it's hard when you're on the inside looking out like that too. You know, and he was totally able to have more of a okay, you know, uh, just a you know straight opinion this is what I'm hearing and this is this is what's good and this is what's bad yeah yeah.
2: well that was how it happened and not until kind of like we got like five songs in we started hearing them back we thought like huh like this is a this is a real fucking jam we got mm. some really good
0: songs there we go they're
2: they're, they're weird they're fresh it's good yeah and like that's the only time I've ever listened to that so much
0: I'm a huge fan of the record so um what's coming up next when can we expect another the third record and uh what do you got going up touring and all that stuff what's going on next well, uh, we'll be touring
2: uh, for the rest of this year uh, in Australia. Hopefully, we get back to America uh, by the end of the year. Uh, there will be – you know, we're always writing. Uh, I can't see when the
0: next record yeah, will be. You, I, I walked be, on your bus, and you guys like have guitars. You guys are like full-on jamming in your bus, which you don't see that often. Yeah. Well, it's nice to stay yeah. creative and uh, keep, the, keep the, the juices going.
2: Absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, when it's time, it's time. Like uh, I think uh, that process worked out for us very well. The taking our time and being chill with it and being relaxed. And I guess is what we're doing now. And maybe early next year, maybe mid next year, sometime next year, we'll go record. So that might mean the album might come out 2018. Even like you never know. Sure, we'll see. That sounds perfect. Well, John,
0: thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah,
2: thank you very much. Yeah,
0: cheers. Cheers. So there's my chat with John, and make sure if you guys are coming out to Warp Tour that you go over and you check out Trophy Eyes. They really are one of the best bands out there right now. And what they're doing musically, it's very different. It's not like everybody else, but it isn't some kind of trend or something that's just like cool and aesthetically cool. It really, really does have a lot of substance to it. Also, if you come out to Warp Tour, maybe check out Silverstein. Who knows? Hey, I'll be there. And if you see me walking around Warp Tour, be sure to stop me. Say hello. Sometimes I look like I'm in a hurry. I got my hat on, my sunglasses on. I never mind stopping for a second and saying hello, especially to sinners. That's what I call you guys, you know, my sinners and other fans of the show. So I really do appreciate all the love and support and uh, always love to hear that you guys appreciate what I'm doing here with this podcast. Anyways, we'll be back next week. I'll have another episode of some kind. And of course, there's going to be a lot of bonus episodes. So if you're part of the All Access Club, look forward to a lot of those because I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of people out here on the Warp Tour. I will leave you with a tune. I know some of you guys haven't even heard Trophy Eyes before. I'm going to give to you the first track on their new record, Chemical Miracle. Here is a banger. It's called Chlorine. Have a great week. See you next week. Thanks. Nice.
1: I wonder if you still remember